Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla and we are directionally challenged. Yeah, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we're in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. No, we don't. Maybe in 2021 we'll have it figured out. Maybe. Happy New Year, by the way, Candace. Happy New Year. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was having such a laugh the other day about how we were together for New Year's on going into 2020. And we had these wishing papers and we wrote down like our goals on these wishing papers, like our intentions for 2020. Do you remember what they were? I don't remember exactly what I wrote, but I think it was just something, um, you know, that had nothing to do with a pandemic or with a crazy (laughs) political race or anything that happened in 2020. But I do remember we all wrote our personal um, goals and then we burnt them and let them kind of go away in the wind and we were ready to take on 2020. And then all hell broke loose. So what do you remember what you wrote down, Candice? Yeah, I think mine was fear, like letting go of fear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is so you do? hilarious <laughs> going right into a year where I was pregnant during a pandemic and like lived in a state of constant anxiety and fear. fear. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, we are recording this a little bit before New Year's because mm-hmm. um, with baby and postpartum. We're just having to kind of record this a little bit earlier. But, you know, I got I got high hopes for 2021. You know, it's a new year. I still believe in like the like excitement of like going into a new year and being able to reflect and and learn from experiences from before and take that into to new experiences. 
I love the idea of being positive. Um, I think after 2020, we've all really learned what matters most to us and that the little things matter most. And so even moving ahead into 2021, I know that's something I'm going to take with me is to is really knowing what I value and making sure that that is my priority because we can all learn from our experiences, from look, looking back on our experiences. And speaking of looking back, we have a really candid incredible conversation with a woman who has been through so much in her life and talks candidly with us about what she learns through all of that. Today, we're going to sit down with Marianne Williamson. She is a best-selling author, political activist, and spiritual thought leader. She's the author of 14 books, four of which have been number one New York Times bestsellers. Williamson also founded Project Angel Food, which is a nonprofit that has delivered more than 12 million meals to the ill and dying homebound patients since 19. 1989. She has a new book titled Politics of Love, a handbook for a new American revolution. And she is also here to talk about her brand new podcast, the Marianne Williamson podcast, where she brings on thought leaders from all areas of life to discuss how the world can be. Most of you might know her from running in the 2020 election. We're so excited for our listeners to get to know her a little bit better today. Without further ado, here is our conversation with Marianne Williamson. And we're back with Marianne Williamson. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to sit down with you. And um, I mean, can we all just agree it's a pretty uneventful year? You know, <laughs> we're, we're rounding out the end of 2020. Is there much to talk about at this yeah. point? <laughs> nothing to forgive, nothing to be upset about, nothing to be relieved about. Um, as you go into the new year, what are you, what is something simple that you're taking with you as we're going into 2021? Something maybe on a little lighter note that you have learned throughout the experience of 2020. Well, I ran for president. So this was, uh, <laughs> uh, there was a lot there. There was a lot that was exhilarating and there was a lot that was brutal. So I want to allow myself to be informed um, in meaningful ways and to carry that with me and to do whatever positive um, good I can with the information that I've received, the things that I've experienced. But I also need to forgive. I need to forgive myself. I need to forgive mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you leave an experience like that with a lot of opportunities for resentments, a lot of opportunities for cynicism. And so I, my personal um, uh, need to uh, clear all of, all of that out is as important as uh, my desire to use whatever opportunities I have to do good going forward. Well, you just jumped right in. That's definitely something that we wanted to talk to you about today was your experience running for president. Um, and yeah, I guess what was that healing like towards the beginning of the year? Obviously, before, you know, the pandemic started, because in that, you know, that's something collectively as a society that we've all, you know, began to experience together. Um, But for you personally, what, you know, now reflecting back, what is something that, um, that you experienced or learned about yourself through that period of healing? Well, when the experience was over, when the campaign was over, you know, the experiences never end. I mean, you know, forms change, relationships change form, situations change form. But life is one continuous journey, of course. So the journey of life doesn't stop just because one circumstance changes. And I knew when the campaign was over, because I lived my life in a way that I put personal growth and transformation first, because I know that that's what determines everything that happens. I, I knew what my internal work was, but I also knew because of my own personality that my biggest um, uh, challenge was to not carry self-pity. Mm-hmm. I felt that uh, it was unfair the way I was smeared. It was unfair the way uh, I was caricatured. I felt there was a lot of misogyny coming from women as well as men. And it's one thing to discern those things, to see them, to even name them and call them out. But it's another thing to hold them in your own heart and mind uh, as personal resentment or grievance. In The Course in Miracles, it says you can have a grievance or you can have a miracle. You cannot have both. So there was a lot about the campaign 
that could make me better. But there was also a lot about the campaign, which if I was not careful, could make me bitter. Because mm. I was I was inside the belly of the beast. I saw how that thing really works. So how do I take that and use that for for contribution? Use that for the good. And there is plenty of that. There's plenty of that, not only in terms of the extraordinary privilege of having talked to voters. I mean, my experience talking to voters was 98% positive and inspiring. And if anything left me even more uh, encouraged about the possibilities of democracy. But my interaction and experience of the system could lead to a lot of cynicism and a lot of bitterness, which would not only not help me, not only would deflect any breakthroughs that are possible, but would also not help the cynic- would not help the system, would not help the country. Because people being so cynical as to say, well, you know, to hell with all of them. I'm not even going to vote. I'm not even going to engage is not the answer. So that's the work that I've I've had to do and that I continue to do. But I do know, you know, that line, um, because I put my, you know, I do believe that spiritual principles are the guidance system that works, that miracles, breakthroughs, New beginnings occur naturally where there's love. And where you were holding a resentment, where you were blaming, where you were attacking, where you were judging, you were deflecting the miracle. So that means, and, and, and also as a Course in Miracles student, that means everyone. You know, I mean, we all find ourselves, there are some people it's pretty easy to forgive, oh, lighten up, it wasn't that big a deal, your friends say to you. We all have that. Yeah, you're right, it's not that big a deal. Others, it's a bigger trigger. Uh, because of a childhood wound, let's say. And then others, you know, you really can build a case. And and you're correct. But the Course in Miracles says you're, you're, you're wrong even if you're right, if it includes blame and judgment. So the issue is, what did I learn about how the system operates? But how can I so um, al- allow that alchemy to happen within myself that I can become a voice for, hey guys, this is, this is really bad, let me tell you how bad it is, and this is how we make it right. But that's personal work, you know. Speaking of personal work, I would love to know, you are such a spiritual being, and you have that in every asset of your life. Was running for president and the decision to run uh, a calling inside you? How did you make that decision? Absolutely. But I I have to say that I doubt, first of all, I think everybody's a spiritual being, whether they see themselves that way or not, because I believe we're made of spirit, all of us. Everybody's on a spiritual journey. Most people just don't seem to know it. I can't imagine anyone running for president who does not feel a profound inner calling, whether they would label it that or not, because it's a difficult, difficult thing to do. Nobody takes that on casually. So the fact that I felt somewhere deep inside me to do it, I I, I doubt that anybody who ran didn't feel deep inside that they were supposed to do it. You know, I felt that there were people during the campaign, there were there were um, journalists who were trying to trap me so they could make fun of me. Well, did you feel like an inner voice? You know, that was going on throughout the whole time. So it's almost like you can't even describe things in any kind of a language these days without opening yourself up. But Yes, did I feel an absolute, I once heard Oprah say, she said, don't do something unless every single part of you says yes. And every single part of me said yes. It was a, it was a sense of what I should do that was so all-encompassing. And I don't regret that. I do look back at mistakes I made for sure, but running was not one of them. Mm. And the fact that I was so sure about that was what kept me going. For some of our listeners who might only know you um, from your experience of running for president, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, just where you started, especially when you moved to Los Angeles and kind of how you began speaking. Um, I read that you began speaking at a nonprofit philosophical research society, and that's kind of how you got started and talking more about spirituality and essentially sermons on a more relatable level. 
Oh, that's my whole career. I have had a 37-year career uh, yeah. talking about A Course in Miracles and uh, writing about it. My first book, A Return to Love, uh, was published in 1992, and that was Reflections on the Principles of A Course in Miracles. So spirituality, personal growth, transformation, um, metaphysics, this has been my career for over, you know, for 30, over 35 years. And but how did you initially start that Mm-hmm. I, is that something yeah. that you felt was maybe within you or or did well, you read something it, yourself or did you meet well, someone? Yeah. I, who... I started uh, reading A Course in Miracles when I was in my 20s. And when I was 30, about 30, 31 years old, I moved to Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I was working. I had had a bookstore for a short period of time in Houston. And when I went to move to Los Angeles, I got a job working at this metaphysical book publisher called the Philosophical Research Society. And they had um, they had a, a series of lectures on different metaphysical topics. And I was at that point a serious student of the Course in Miracles. Course in Miracles is not a religion. There's no dogma. There's no doctrine. It's a psychological training and forgiveness, basically, uh, based on universal spiritual themes. So I was very excited when a woman who worked at the Philosophical Research Society asked me if I would like to give a lecture on the course, because at that time, the course was starting to be a hot topic in those circles. Now, remember, the career that I and so many others have in that area today didn't exist then. There was no career niche of spiritual coach or spiritual Mm. speaker. It didn't even exist. So I was very excited because the course had become such a passion for me. After I started lecturing, not long after the AIDS crisis burst onto the scene, and I was living in Los Angeles, and Los Angeles was particularly hit, hard hit by the AIDS crisis. Um, Western medicine certainly tried, but it took a while. It was kind of like COVID. You know, it was very much like COVID in the sense that there simply wasn't any medicine yet. You know, they mm-hmm. had things that you could they could try to help people, but there was no cure. Right. And um, it also took the because of the whole gay issue, how many gay men particularly were getting it. It took a lot of the organized religions some time before they worked through their own, whether it was homophobia or what. So there was a lot of silence there. And I was a then young woman my early 30s, 31 years old at that time, talking about a God who loves you no matter what, and miracles. And so really gay men in Los Angeles at that time gave me my career because so many of them started coming to my lectures. So then when I wrote a book, I wanted to write a book about the Course in Miracles, um, there was a publisher who was highly placed in the publishing industry, I think he was a gay man himself, who said to uh, HarperCollins and others, don't kid yourself, she's got this something going on down there in L.A. There are a lot of people who are listening to her or whatever. So they bought my book. Then when my book came out, Oprah had me on. And that was before she had her book club. And she said, she got on and said it was the best book she'd ever read and bought a thousand copies. And so she really gave me my my national and international exposure and then right it doesn't get any cooler than oprah saying (laughs) although at that time i didn't really know that i thought she was it was oh how nice that she liked it you know that did that that stuff didn't exist you know i hardly even knew what the bestseller was you know she was like oh that's so nice she wants to have me on but (laughs) when someone of that caliber she likes that by the way she She's very, uh, she's very much like that. She is very hip to who's there for the right reason. Right. What is the spiritual conversation you have with someone like Oprah? Oprah is very much, what you see is what you get. Who she is on the air is who she is. So the conversations that she has on the air, what she has, has in person. And what she has on the air is what we're all having. I mean, that's, I think that's her popularity. We, we know she's saying the same stuff we're all saying, having the same conversations we're all having. Um, well, that essentially period of time catapulted you to a whole new um, experience within your life. And, you know, we talk a lot on the, our, you know, intro into this show is the fact that we're in our 30s and we thought we'd have it all figured out and we don't. And yeah. here you are in your 30s. And um, at this time, it's all kind of revealing itself to you. And you are just catapulted into this new 
realm of opportunity and speaking engagements and connecting with so many different people on so many different levels. Is there, um, you know, after the Oprah show, uh, what, what was this all part of your plan or were you just kind of riding the wave of life at that point? I was riding the wave of life because I, as a student of the course of miracles, um, one of the issues, and I talk a lot about this in my book, A Return to Love, God's plan works and yours doesn't. I mean, that's a large part of spiritual principle, that the acorn is already programmed to become the oak tree. The bud is already programmed to become the blossom. That embryo is already programmed to become a, a, a baby. The best thing you can do is put your feet up and drink chamomile and be calm, right? I mean, it's happening inside you. You're conscious... You know, I think that's why babies do grow away from anything we can can interfere with. Nature knows what it's doing, and and one of the one of the issues is you can allow the 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 force that keeps planets revolving around the sun run your life, or you can try to do it yourself. So, as a student of the Course in Miracles, I realized that, and my life was unfolding in a way that um, demonstrated that to me. Now, when worldly success and the issues of worldly success, because all of a sudden I had a best-selling book that made more money than I'd ever seen, or also um, press attention, which I'd never seen, those were issues where I made mistakes because they happened too fast. And I'm not saying people were not around me who I could have asked for help and guidance, because I think in looking back, I think there were people that I could have asked for help and guidance, but I didn't. So in terms of my work, it's kind of like we talked about with the political campaign. In terms of my, my work, I've done really, really well in terms of looking at myself in the mirror and saying, you have stayed true to what you believe and what you do, and you were there for the right reasons. It's the outer accoutrements of getting things done in a worldly sense, politics, money, success, where I've made the same mistakes that everybody has, ha- has made, well, where a lot of people have made. And, and it's all because I, it's, it's an issue of not, you know, I always say in any area where I practice what I preach, I've done fine. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. back it's really interesting on this podcast we usually ask um those who are our guests you know do you have any mentors but you just mentioned the fact that you had them but then it you didn't access them you know the joke is that men don't want to ask for directions yeah. but i think sometimes it's women we're embarrassed to admit what we don't know mm-hmm. You know, I realize now, now I don't have that. Now I'm confident in what I do know that if it's an area I don't know, I just want to find the smartest person and say, Hey, could you help me? Because I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't have any problem doing that now. I don't think I was conscious that that's where I was, but it's where I was. And there's also, um, there's a play by a man named Mike Dugan. And there's a line in that play. I laughed at who I should have listened to. And I listened to who I should have laughed at. I was very, and I think also, and I think this is a big deal for women, maybe less your generation, because I think your generation grew up with greater uh, financial literacy. Women were already, by the time you entered into your 20s and 30s, women empowered in the world is already done. It's happening already. It it was not as, I mean, it was certainly happening and women in front of me were, but it was not as common. Uh, Things that I just never learned. So um, I was, and it's interesting because when I say this, I could actually, I can see the parallels to what happened in those days and what happened in my political campaign. I was way too impressed by people in suits, men in suits and their equivalent. And so I was going to ask, did you feel like you had to replicate an idea of what you were supposed to be, essentially? It wasn't what I was supposed to be, but... I thought that there was a certain type of person who was the one to guide me. And I now realize, no, those are the types of people who see you as a mark coming a mile away. Mm. Those are the people mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to, to audition and interview for a long time before you even let them in the room. So having been through that, what, how can we um, now take uh, advice from what you said you've lived and, and figure out who we do ask advice from? Well, you know, I think that, whether you call it the voice for God, 
uh, divine intuition, whatever. I think if you meditate, uh, particularly in the morning, and set your set your mind with with the clarity by whatever your spiritual path is, then you simply know that you don't do anything without asking first. Um, I'll give you an example. Early in my career, Oprah wanted to do uh, a television show. Now, I look back at this now, and I half laugh and half cry. Oprah Winfrey flies from Chicago with the top people at Harpo and sets you up in a convention, in a conference room at the Bel Air Hotel. Now, who I am now knows you don't ignore that. <laughs> I just thought it was, a, she's so nice. And she, she wants to have a meeting. And she said, I want to, um, I know how to do a TV show based on what you're doing. I want to put you on television. Now, everything I write books about and already did write books about would have told me, and the irony here is I could have said this to her person. I could have said to her, uh, may I pray about it? I mean, she's someone I could have actually used that language. Mm. Or at the very least said, thank you so much. May I think about this? May I have a weekend? Which she would have said, sure. Instead, I was so overwhelmed. And the fear said, and I said, no, no I, don't, I, 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 I don't think I, I want to go there. Who does that? But the, mm. jo- but the thing that is so sad is if I just practiced spiritual spiritual principle which is go into quiet reflect on this pray about this and like i said before i could have even used that language Mm -hmm. but even in a regular business meeting you can always say you know thank you so much i need to think about this i mean this is something in business you know i just didn't know any of that and i would just so so in those areas even though i knew to live the principles in the purview of the life i knew when it came to money, when it came to the world, I, I just went into a reactive reaction of fear and basically said no to a lot of things that I could have said yes to. Mm-hmm. And probably it, said yes to some things I should have said, some people I should have said no to. Yeah. It seems like there's a, a constant wave of you talking and discussing about how you aren't really able to use specific terms in business. Do you find this a lot that there are some, uh, for lack of a better word, I don't want to say airy fairy, but some sort of like spiritual terminology that doesn't necessarily translate in the business world? The smartest people know that you should take your time. You don't have to say, well, I'm going to go pray about it. Mm. But if you say to the top people in business, um, I need some time to think about this. Can I, uh, can I take the weekends, weekend go to you? They'll say absolutely. They'll actually think of you as a more powerful person. Speaking of religion, is there a specific, do you have a, a religion that you follow or is it spirituality or is it prayer or is it meditation or do you have a label or is it labelless? Yeah. Well, as far as my religion is concerned, I'm Jewish and I, um, that is my religion. My spirituality is all is universal as a student of the course in miracles the course in miracles is not a religion but it is based on universal spiritual themes so my spiritual perspective on life um involves spiritual themes are at the heart of all the great religious teachings of the world now i have to ask this question because researching you is fascinating and i think that you have lived such a incredible life um we learned that you officiated elizabeth taylor's wedding That's another <laughs> on the one neverland ranch i could <laughs> not ask career move, actually. wait oh how okay so this is what i want to know how what was that like and how does something like that become a bad career move yeah she was friends with sandy gallon and david geffen and that that group of people um and she, once again she was just a nice lady who called my house one day and i responded to her that way and she as a just as a person, was a very sweet person. She was surrounded by a tough crowd, I'll tell you. Mm. Uh, but uh, uh, and by that, I don't mean David and Sandy. I mean the crowd right around her was tough. But she herself was, was very sweet. Um, when I joked just now that uh, bad career move, I was, I was made fun of, you know, it was a lot of, there's been a lot of that in my career, you know, before me, what she was married six times before me and male ministers, uh, 
married her, they weren't made fun of. You know, I just, it was something I looked back on and realized it was, you know, for years I was described as a woman who married Elizabeth Taylor which was used to minimize my work and diminish it, huh. even though she was lovely. Every time I saw her after that, after she got divorced from um, Larry Fortinsky, anytime I'd see her, she'd feel the need to almost like apologize to me about the <laughs> fact that, that and we, I tried. I really tried. Like I would be upset that my knot wasn't tight enough. <laughs> she herself is a very sweet lady. Are you able at this point to look back on, on moments like that though? And, with a sense of with a sense of a smile or just like oh, forgiveness absolutely. Those, oh absolutely yeah. no those things that i'm i'm mentioning now all of them all of them i think that the uh, i'm still you know now i'm i don't think that i'm i was just saying to a woman on my team today actually with this business about the campaign i think i'm i've still got an somewhere in between five and 15% of some people who I see on TV and I, ah, um, <laughs> but I, uh, I'm, I'm certainly getting there, but the stuff we're mentioning now, um, from way back, uh, absolutely. I'm just, uh, grateful and everything is, you know, the, what I've come to realize is that we're our own worst enemy. You know, I've been thrown on a lot of, rocks in my life and career and I came to realize that I was the wind you know I was the storm that was throwing myself around life could have been so much easier and I think that that's the spiritual principle that the universe is programmed just like the acorn is programmed uh to be the oak tree I your life is programmed just like that baby it's, it's already in there it's DNA and there is already DNA. And to see how often we say no to something because it's too easy. Hmm. It's right there. Everything you need is right there. Hmm. But we don't, if you're not alert to the mystical nature of the universe, you don't realize the person right there, the book that's right there. So I'm, I'm very, you know, that's what I've learned from life is that whatever is happening, don't don't miss out on the gift of this moment, this person, this situation, and what's right around. Because the universe is perfect. So everything you need, by definition, is already there. Speaking of not missing out, have you ever thought of talking to Oprah about taking her up on her uh, opportunity that she suggested so many years yeah, ago yeah, and saying, yeah, yes, sure. let's do it. Let's do it yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the, the years went by and, and, and uh, yeah, and, and things that happened. And I'm extremely grateful to Oprah and always will be for the opportunities that she gave me. And um, now I will always be grateful to Oprah. And I, I think she knows that. Well, you have a lot of exciting things happening right now, namely your new podcast. Thank you. Um, welcome to the podcasting world. Thank you. Congratulations. Um, yeah, Thank you. Very exciting. Um, you say you, you want to bring on thought leaders from all areas of life. What inspired you to start this podcast and especially right now in your career? You know, I, I think it was Bill Clinton who said there's nothing wrong with America that can't be made right about what's right with America. On one hand, we're in such a terrible state, but on the other hand, we're filled with such wonderful people and wonderful projects and wonderful books and wonderful movies and wonderful films and wonderful businesses and wonderful products. I mean, it. what has happened that the worst of who we are has become collectively empowered and some of the best of who we are is... is um, left into a dispersed field where it's there, but it's not guiding the society the way it might. Um, Werner Earhart once said, you can live your life out of a vision or you can live your life out of circumstances. And we clearly need a new vision. And this new vision comes from a new conversation in our heads and among us. That's why I think podcasts are, are popular. That's why I think your podcast is popular. People are trying to have conversations that matter. And that's what Martin Luther King said, that your life begins to end when you stop talking about things that matter. So there are so many people out there who I read their books or I talk to them and I know, wow, this is it. This is cool. This is really neat. And I want to do whatever I can to amplify those 
those voices. Like mm-hmm. tomorrow, uh, well, my podcast out right now has Andrew Yang. The one tomorrow will have Nina Turner. Not that Andrew or Nina need me to amplify their their voices, but I think all of us are part of a field. I mean, it's not it's not about any one person's effort right now. You know, the zeitgeist is everybody rising up, everybody standing up as best we can, pooling our resources, all of us together, and just leaving behind us the things that don't matter. None of us need to be uh, reminded uh, life is very serious and we have very serious things to think about, particularly once you're a mother. Right. You've spoken a lot about um, transcendental meditation in a lot of articles I've read. And that Mm -hmm. is something we discuss meditation on this podcast and um, how sometimes it's really simple and quite easy for some and then difficult for others. Do you have Difficult any for insights? Me. <laughs> yeah, Candace yeah. is not a big Kayla's meditator. the good meditator. I love I'm, it. I'm the one that has a struggle with it. Any uh, insight? There's a path for you. I mean, I, I am a student of The Course in Miracles. I do a lesson every day. Um, if you ask uh, Candace and say, I'm willing, but I just don't know what my path is, it, books will fall at your feet. It's like what I was saying before. It's right there. Somebody will call and say, do you want to go to this meeting or whatever there's 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 a quieting of the mind technique for everybody if you're yeah. open to receive it so maybe the course of miracles is not for you maybe a tm is not for you mm-hmm. so it's it'll be something else in the Kabbalah or buddhism or whatever it is it's uh there's one truth spoken in many different ways but there's no one who can seek it who won't be shown what they've asked to be shown I know you also have a book that you um, have written called Politics of Love. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to us about what that is essentially about and what our listeners can expect when reading it? We have uh, politics right now in the United States that is guided by a particular economic philosophy. And it's called trickle-down economics. And it's the idea that if you if the government advocates for short-term profit maximization for huge multinational corporate interests, that this will somehow be better because then you'll have a stockholder and CEO class that has all this money and they will be perched up on corporate Mount Olympus somewhere and they will drop crumbs from their table in the form of job creation. And the idea was that so many jobs would be created that uh, it would lift all boats. But it's been 40 years since this started. And it not only has not lifted all boats, it has left millions and millions of people without even a life vest. It has created the biggest income inequality in almost 100 years because it's, what it's been is a massive transfer of wealth. You stop you stop taxing the rich. You do everything you can to make huge corporations wealthier and wealthier. So you have so much wealth in the hands of a very few people that this is at the expense of enough people getting educated, at the expense of enough people having economic opportunity, at the expense of enough people having health care. So we need to shift now from that particular economic bottom line to a humanitarian bottom line. From an old way of looking at the world where you say that you improve your economy to improve the human condition to one in which you say, no, 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 you improve the human condition and that improves your economy. Now, it's worth noting here, since we're all women together here, it's worth noting that the economic system and political system, for that matter, that now dominates was devised before women had a voice in the public realm. And child raising, for instance, was just seen as women's work and you took care of that. We now know, I'll give you an example. We now know things about the brain of a child before the age of eight that they didn't even know 10 years ago. 80% of brain development occurs before the age of three. What you are going through right now in the er the years of early childhood, this is where it all happens. Anything you put into the minds of your children before the age of five will be there forever. By five, 90% of the brain is developed. We should completely front end our resources as a country into the direction, in the direction of early childhood. So when you say politics and politics of love is guided by an understanding of what humanity needs in order to thrive. Now, if people 
are able to spread their wings, if people have enough education, if people have enough health care, if people have enough opportunity that they can live their dreams, what are they going to do? They're going to produce. They're going to create. What's that going to do? Create money. So the idea that leaving people in chronic economic uh, despair, which tens of millions of Americans are, you have a $1.5 trillion um, college loan debt. That's 45 million people. And I'm sure if it's not you, I'm sure you have friends who took out tens sometimes. So I, know, I, I know a young woman who works at my team is a $100,000 college loan debt. I don't know what it would, I can't even imagine being in my 20s, for instance, some of these people in their 20s with thousands of dollars worth of debt like that. I don't know how you psychologically emerge from that. I don't, I couldn't have handled psychologically and emotionally, I couldn't have handled that kind of burden when I was that age. Mm. But there are all these people who, okay, I got the degree, I took out the loans to get the degree in order to um, try to manifest my dream. But now, in order to manifest my dream, I'd have to take a job that I don't think would make me enough money to pay off my college loan. So you've got tens of millions of people who are working at jobs they hate, but they are there because they need the health care, or they're there because they don't know how else to figure out a way to make enough money, pay off these college loans, and then they're completely falling apart, and we call that a mental health crisis. <laughs> And we look to the and we look to the same right, and we look to the same right. system that passed those policies to now deal with the economic to deal with the mental health crisis. You you bastards created this mental health crisis, right? Well, do you have hope going into this next year and also this new presidency? Um, of of do you have hope? I mean, I think. <laughs> We're all kind of coming down from the year, but I'm, I'm like, as I'm crawling into 2021, I'm like starting to search for what could be. We broke the free fall of American democracy and that that had to come first. And now the next phase of things is basically a battle for the soul of the Democratic Party. Because the, Demo the, the Republican Party has been bought hook, line and sinker by the corporatist mentality. Take care of the corporations, take care of the corporations, right? Even this this uh, bailout has been for Wall Street, but not for Main Street, right? The Democratic Party has both groups. It has the corporatists, the moderates, but then it also has the real progressives who are saying, no, let's get people health care. Let's remove these college loans. Let's give people free tuition at state colleges and universities. These are called the progressives. And of course, the corporatists like to say we're radical lefties. What's radical? What's radical about that? You're you're, you're talking about we should have the same health care as they have in every other advanced democracy. And if it makes sense that you have free public health, uh, excuse me, free public school through the twelfth grade, and you're living at a time where that's simply not enough anymore, it's not some communist plot to say, well, let's include the next four years because that's what people will need, et cetera, et cetera. So. That's the struggle that is occurring now. I love it. Well, I thank you so much, Marianne, for joining us today. We're so excited for your podcast. It's out thank and available you. now thank and your you. book as well. Um, and then I just have one more question because I okay. got to ask, <laughs> do you still sing? Because I read a few things that said you wanted to be a cabaret singer back in the day and do you have like your go-to cabaret song that you whip out for the holidays no it's not it's not no i was i was a singer the way bill clinton was uh played the saxophone you know i, I love I, that though yeah that you know that's another thing about me that you wanted to be you know it was like i was young i didn't you know so i sang i have a pretty decent voice but i talk better than i sing and i came to realize that um with speaking, I thought I had something to give. With singing, I'm, I'm okay, but I was, you know, I'm not Mariah Carey. So I, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I realized my in-between, my in-between banter was better. But yeah, when I, uh, 
of course, since Joe Biden was elected, I've been going around the house singing happy days are here again, like a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I love love that. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us and talking with us and uh, pushing the envelope forward because these are the kind of conversations we want to have. And we're really grateful you took the time to be with us today. Well, thank you. I so appreciate it. And my best to you and your children and all your family. Thank Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. I really am in awe after talking to Marianne about how easy she made it seem to reflect back on her past and learn from it because that's not something that's easily done in life or that's not something I can do easily. But she seemed to have been able to really kind of go through some hard experiences and then be able to kind of learn from them so quickly. Already she's talking about what she learned from when she ran in the race and it's mainly only been a year. What she's experienced has been in the public eye. And and that I cannot imagine having to emotionally process and digest, not just on your own, but you're kind of doing it in front of everybody. And so I appreciate her willingness just to jump right in. I mean, I, I really was just, you know, trying to be more lighthearted at the beginning. And, and but she was like, no, let's talk about it. Let's jump right let's into, go deep you know, right away. Let's jump right into the fact that I ran for president and have a lot of thoughts on, you know, where I might have had some missteps. And and I think right. that that takes um, just a lot of it shows a lot of vulnerability and strength within that vulnerability, which I appreciate. And and that is definitely something that I'm taking away from our conversation with Marianne today is uh, right. is that bravery. Right. And, and there's an element to her admitting that she had people to turn to and just didn't know to turn to them. And that's something that I really am going to take away as well is, you know, having mentors is one thing, but being able to utilize them when you really need them is really important too. So Starting this new year, that's what I'm going to make sure I do is really make sure I, I reach out to those who can help me in times of need, because why have a mentor if you're not going to utilize them? It's very true. That's very true, because I think sometimes it's easier not to ask or we feel bad or we just don't want to impose or going back to, you know, what Marianne was saying in our conversation today. We don't want to feel like we're dumb or we don't know the answer or, you know, right. that that we basically what we talk about all the time that we should have it all figured out Mm -hmm. and we don't want to ask the questions. Um, but that's how we learn and that's how we grow. And you know what? Sometimes you don't (laughs) figure out how you're going to enter the new year on wishing papers. Sometimes it's from sitting down and having, um, vulnerable conversations and we can't wait to kick off 2021 with you guys. We've got so many episodes coming up. We also still have our Patreon page, If you want to go to Patreon, look up Directionally Challenged with Candace King and Kayla Yule. We have our bonus episodes up. So if you want more Directionally Challenged, join us, become a patron. We have weekly bonus episodes. We hope you guys had a wonderful holiday and we cannot wait to see what 2021 has in store for all of us together. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Edited by Katrina Henning. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.